right. All right, good evening, everybody. This is a, this is a bit different, I will say, than a Sunday school or, or a, you know, discipleship training, that type of deal. So um, before I go any further, I do want to um, just thank you and uh, just want to say again, appreciate Brother Zach's leadership. When he first asked me to do this, uh, before I gave him an answer, my question was why? <laughs> And uh, basically, his explanation to me was what he just explained to you guys and just the view of, um, as the church, we are to be making disciples. Um, and one of the ways in which we disciple one another is to help cultivate the ability to understand Scripture and to, to, to study and to learn and then therefore teach. And so, for the most part, that's what I took from your explanation anyway. And um, he said so he thought that that would be a good opportunity, and I, I agree with that uh, mindset, I guess you will, uh, of what uh, of what he said. So anyway, I just I appreciate that. I, I am excited. I am nervous for sure. Uh, as I said, it is a little bit different, but my goal tonight um, is simply to uh, just share the scripture with you. Joseph, <laughs> I've got my partner here with me. Um, <coughs> And uh, because obviously I have nothing to tell you. Um, I have no expertise in any area uh, that would be um, valuable to us here tonight, or certainly of any eternal value. Um, but we do have something that does. And so my goal is to just, um, has been over the past couple of weeks to study this and then be able to accurately pass on what the Lord has taught me to you guys, if that makes sense. Um, I appreciate your prayer earlier, um, Zach, as he was praying for me before, um, he basically said, uh, you know, that we rely on scripture and said, if you don't do anything but get up there and read the scripture, it, we are dependent upon the spirit work to do something with that scripture. Okay. It's God's word that we've been given. Um, and we're dependent upon him to actually use that word to teach us for those things to take root and to actually produce any change. So. That gives me comfort and, uh, and confidence and peace, I guess, as we get started. So uh, before I actually do get started, one more thing. <laughs> I just want to thank you guys. You, most of y'all, probably all of y'all know that uh, we had a baby a few weeks ago, a uh, little boy. And uh, Jackie and I just would really like to say thank you. You, you as a church have been incredibly generous to us. Um, a lot of people that we still don't really even know very well have reached out and given gifts and um, y'all fed us well. I mean, we, we're just, I just wanted to say that. Thank, thank you for all you've done. Thank you for loving on us as, a, as church family, family members. We, we really appreciate that. God's been good to us and he has, he has certainly blessed us in that uh, arena. So, uh, as you know, we've been studying Joshua, the life of Joshua, since before the, the new year on Sunday nights. Um, we're going to continue with that study tonight. What we will be, the bulk of our message, our, our text tonight will be in Deuteronomy chapter 31, the first eight verses of that. Uh, and I wanted to kind of set the stage or give a, a brief re review for us before we do get started. And if we go back to Numbers 13 and 14, 
we see Israel has been delivered from Egypt, uh, right? And they've arrived to the promised land or to the borders of the promised land. They sent out spies to assess the land. Um, the spies come back and report to Israel essentially two things. Uh, first off, that the land was very good, just as God had promised. It was uh, land uh, with great, I guess, uh, you know, great fruit, great wealth, if you will, um, flowing with milk and honey, as it's described. Uh, but the second thing that the spies reported are the people that live there are big and scary. <laughs> uh, so they are strong. Uh, they, you know, sons of giants, all these things. Um, and basically, because of that, they were afraid and they said, we're not going. We're going to refuse to enter. So <clears throat> in chapter 14 of that, uh, verses 2 and 3, this is what they said. The whole congregation said to them, would that we have died in the land of Egypt or would that we had died in this wilderness? Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become prey. Would it not be better for us to go back to Egypt? So the people were afraid. Uh, they doubted their ability to take the land, which God had already promised to give them. Um, and I would even make the argument that they doubted God's goodness. They essentially brought an accusation against God of orchestrating harm for them. You know, well, God, why have you brought us out to die in this wilderness? So not only were they unwilling to follow, uh, but they rebelled to that degree of even bringing accusations against them. Uh, and they wanted to go back to Egypt, as crazy as that may sound. If we think back on the story of, of their time in Egypt and everything that led out of Egypt, um, they were afraid enough to want to go back to Egypt. Uh, <coughs> we, can, uh, we can remember things even from, the, as I said, from the plagues. Um, remember they had just crossed the Red Sea. I mean, you think about the miracle that that was. Uh, they had been led by a pillar of fire and smoke through the wilderness to, to the border of the land. Um, and yet, where's the faith still, right? There's still doubt. We see uh, big, strong people in the land. We don't think we can take it. Uh, God can part a small uh, sea by the raising of a rod by Moses, and they can walk across on dry land and then wipe out the world's strongest army in, in Egypt at the time. Uh, but yet, here we are, and... He's not going to take care of us. Um, so they rebelled against him, all except for Joshua and Caleb. Uh, they were two of the spies who were also sent. Uh, this would be their report when they returned in Numbers 14, 6 through 10. It says, And Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes and said to all the congregation of the people of Israel, the land which we pass through to spy it out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into this land and he will give it to us, a land that flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not fear the people of the land, for they are bread for us. Their protection is removed from them and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Then the congregation said to stone them with stones, but the glory of the Lord appeared at the tent of the meeting to all the people of Israel and basically and essentially saved their life. So this, this is kind of leading up to where we are. Um, this was followed by, you know, as you know, 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, uh, which was a period of judgment for Israel um, and essentially allowed time for that rebellious generation to die. Uh, God said, you, you will not enter. Um, their children would 
so he was keeping his promise to the people. But at the end of the uh, at the end of the forty years, uh, they're back at the edge of Canaan, if you will. Um, they've just been this, been given the law. Um, the, as I said, the rebellious generation has passed away, and it's now time to enter and take the land. Uh, but one more thing must happen before they enter, and that's what we're going to discuss tonight, and that's uh, the succession of leadership from Moses to Joshua. Okay, um, so finally, after all that, we're to the, the verses we're going to study. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 31 uh, and verses 1 through 8. And if y'all will just read along with me. It says, So Moses continued to speak these words to all Israel. And he said to them, I am 120 years old today. I am no longer able to go out and come in. The Lord has said to me, You shall not go over this Jordan the Lord God himself will go over before you. He will destroy these nations before you, and you shall dispossess them. And Joshua will go over at your head, as the Lord has spoken. And the Lord will do to them as he did to Sihon and Og, the king of the Amorites, and to their land when he destroyed them. And the Lord will give them over to you, and you shall do to them according to the whole commandment that I have commanded you. Be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them, for it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him in the sight of all Israel, Be strong and courageous, for you shall go with his people into the land that the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give them, and you shall put them in possession of it. It is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you, and he will not leave you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. Um, if y'all will, I, I just, I would like to pray one more time as kind of we dive into this. Um, <clears throat> Father, God, I, I uh, do consider it a privilege to not only have your word, but to be able to study it and to be able to attempt to teach it and to share it with my brothers and sisters here. Um, and just as has been mentioned before, um, and as, as really will, as we will see even in this study, uh, we are completely dependent upon you tonight, Lord. I have no ability to teach or no information to share apart from what you have uh, blessed us to have. Um, so that is my prayer, that you would help me uh, as I speak, help us as we read, help us to understand. Uh, we need the Spirit's work within our heart to show us uh, these things, Lord, and to uh, help us to accept these things, Lord. Um, I pray that we would handle your word accurately tonight um, and well, God, and that you would have your way with us, Lord. What we need to know, uh, we ask that you would teach us tonight. Um, ask this in Christ's name, amen. All right, so as we go through this uh, section, I think it can really be divided into kind of three subsections, if you will, um, kind of outline it, I guess. Uh, the first thing we'll see is the end of Moses' leadership, or yeah, his leadership will, is announced, or the people are reminded that, hey, my leadership's coming to an end, which I know y'all probably uh, discussed some of that last week because y'all discussed Moses' death. Um, secondly, we'll see that the people, despite this change in leadership, the people are reminded that God's plan will continue. God's work will continue. Um, and then the last part of the passage tonight will be Joshua being commissioned to take on that role and to continue with God's work and God's plan. So, uh, end of leadership, end, end of Moses's leadership, the continuation of God's plan, 
and Joshua commissioned to continue that plan. So in the first section here with the transition of the leadership announced, if we go back to verses 1 through 3, it says, So Moses continued to speak these words to all Israel, and he said to them, I am 120 years old today. I am no longer able to come out and go in or go out and come in. The Lord has said to me, You shall not go over this Jordan. The Lord God himself will go over before you. He will destroy these nations before you so that you shall dispossess them, and Joshua will go over at your head as the Lord has spoken. So we see, you know, Moses is reaching the end of his life. Um, he's 120 years old, roughly, at this point. Uh, it says he is unable to go out and come in, which is just uh, basically, you know, I can't go and do as I used to be able to. You know, I'm getting old is what he's saying here. Um, but he reminds the people that he will not be allowed to enter the promised land. And that being allowed to enter is the reason for the change and not, not the age. Um, does anybody remember why Moses could not go into Canaan? That's right. Let me just tell you how much better it makes me feel when somebody else talks, even if it's just a quick little thing. Very helpful. Uh, but that's exactly right. Uh, Moses, essentially, he sinned. He disobeyed God. God told him, um, and this, this is in Numbers 20, says the people were quarreling with Moses uh, about a lack of water, saying, why have you come? Why have you made us come out of Egypt? And again, wishing that they would have perished uh, already to this point, um, wishing they could go back. Uh, what an incredible uh, just fickleness and unfaithfulness on behalf of the people, again, considering all that God had already done in providing for them. Um, Moses was told to take the staff, and assemble the congregation, he and Aaron, and tell the rock before their eyes to yield its water. And that's Numbers 20, verse 8. Uh, Moses apparently got a little frustrated, <laughs> um, and he struck the rock in disobedience. Uh, and if you read that passage, it, it actually, uh, you know, he calls the people, you know, rebels, like, will I bring rock, or will I bring water from you for this rock? And he, he strikes the rock with the staff, and um, <clears throat> disobeyed God's word and how he was supposed to, to handle that scenario. And anyway, the Lord's response to that event, uh, Numbers 20, verse 12, he says, The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Because you did not believe in me to uphold me as holy in the eyes of the people of Israel, therefore you shall not bring this assembly into the land that I have given them. So uh, not only was this viewed as just as disobedient, but this was apparently an act of, of irreverence. You know, God said, you didn't uphold my name as holy in front of the people of Israel in the way you acted this way. So similarly to the prior generations of Israel's sin, causing them to no longer be able to pass into the promised land, Moses essentially receives the same judgment. He says, you're not going to be able to go um, any further. Uh, than that, but he had a, a plan for continuing his work, obviously. Um, he would provide Joshua to take his place, as we know. So, uh, kind of in our next section here, if we start in verse 3, we're going to see this continuation of God's plan. We'll go back to verse 3 and read on. It says, The Lord God himself will go over before you. He will destroy these nations before you, so that you shall dispossess them. 
and Joshua will go over at your head as the Lord has spoken. And the Lord will do to them as he did to Sion and Og, the king of the Amorites, kings of the Amorites, and to their land when he destroyed them. So real quick, what happened with Sihon and Og, right? Um, if we back up to chapters 2 and 3, just give you a quick review of that. Uh, if, you, if you were to look at a map, well, the only way I can do this is to turn around, but if you're looking at a map, when they come out of Egypt, like if you've got the Jordan River here, you know, they crossed the Red Sea, and essentially they, they head north to the point where they would go back across the Jordan River into Canaan. And as they're coming up along this side of the Jordan River, they pass through these two kingdoms with these, these two kings. And eventually a, a couple of the tribes would settle on that side of the, uh, of the river. But this is Sihon and Og. So to this point where they're getting ready to cross the Jordan, they have already um, passed through these kingdoms and have uh, in, interacted with them, I guess you could say. Um, but <clears throat> we'll kind of read this account for you really quick. Uh, and just a side note here, and we'll come back to this a little bit later. Uh, right as he is, as they are about to encounter these people, uh, it is said in Deuteronomy 2, 16, so as soon as all the men of war had perished and were dead from among the people, essentially that's the point that the Lord said, hey, we're about to go to war. And we'll come back to that in, in a little while. Um, verse 24 in chapter 2, he says, rise up and set out on your journey and go over Go over the valley of Arnon. Behold, I have given into your hand Sihon, the Amorite king of Heshbon, and his land. Begin to take possession and contend with him in battle. This day I will begin to put the dread and fear of you and all the peoples who are under the whole heaven, who shall hear the report of you and shall tremble, tremble and be in anguish because of you. If we go down to verse 33, he says, And the Lord our God gave him over to us, and we defeated him and his sons and all his people. And we captured all his cities at this time and devoted to destruction every city, uh, men, women, and children. He left no survivors. Only the livestock we took as spoil for ourselves uh, with the plunder of the cities that we had captured. And then in chapter 3, the same was done to King Og. And get this, his 60 cities. 60. Um, the Bible even says those 60 cities which were fortified with high walls, gates, and bars besides very many unwalled villages, okay? Um, so the point being there, God has already delivered them from a lot, essentially. Um, just on the way to the promised land, these two kingdoms that he has encountered, um, they've had great conquests already. I mean, you think about that 60 cities that were fortified. And yet here we are, nope, we're not crossing the river because the people are big over there. Um, pretty amazing. Uh, so he's calling them as, he, as he, he says this, you know, he's calling them to remember what God's already done for them. He's saying, trust me, right? Look back and just see what's already been accomplished, what I've already delivered you from. Don't fear, trust me. And picking back up in verse 5, said, And the Lord will give them over to you, and he shall do to them according to the whole commandment that I have commanded you. Be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them, for it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. He reminds Israel that it is the Lord who leads them 
and provides for them, right? It's not Moses, ultimately, and it ultimately won't be Joshua either. It's the Lord. Um, He's telling them, don't be afraid. It's God's plan. It's God's promise. God will see it through. So on to our our last, uh, I don't know if you'd say point, but the last section of this passage is Joshua's commissioning. Um, If we pick up in verse 7, it says, Then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him in the sight of all Israel, Be strong and courageous, for you shall go with this people into the land that that the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give them, and you shall put them in possession of it. It is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. And then later in the chapter, the Lord himself actually makes the same charge to Joshua in verse 23. and says, The Lord commissioned Joshua, the son of Nun, and said, Be strong and courageous, for you shall bring the people of Israel into the land that I swore to give them. I will be with you. So God offers Joshua the same encouragement that he gave Israel, right? You know, don't worry, don't be afraid. I'm going with you. I'm going, not only with you, I'm going before you, um, and I will be with you. Joshua as the leader, I think this is important, uh, Joshua as the leader is just as dependent upon God as the people of Israel are. Okay? Um, he gets the same word of encouragement. He gets the same charge. Uh, the Lord has promised them the land, and he goes before them. God will do, ultimately do the work. Uh, Joshua's role was to trust him and just go, trust him and obey. Uh, <coughs> all right, so the end, right? <laughs> uh, good story. Uh, I, I'll be honest, uh, you know, this is, I, haven't, I don't have a lot of experience teaching, honestly, out of the Old Testament period, but um, especially these, what we would call narratives, right? Because that's what we just read is essentially a story. It's, it's a historical story of, hey, this is what happened with Israel during this time as they moved from this place to this place. It's like, okay, so what do we do with that? <laughs> you know, this is not one of the New Testament epistles where, you know, Paul's writing to the church saying, you're doing this, stop doing it, or you're not doing this, start doing it. I, that, I, that's a little bit easier for me to handle. And so um, as I have wrestled through this um, you know I, I do believe it's relevant you know if we believe that God inspired the Bible inspired scripture um, and all of it and then not only had it written down but he preserved it for us for multiple thousands of years right portions of it um, we have to believe that there's a reason for that um, it's not just just a story there like there's something we're to learn from it I think um, <clears throat> so that's that's kind of the question now as we kind of look into application and, and things you know so what what does this mean what do we do with this what should this teach us uh, and I'm just going to offer some thoughts and what I what I believe that the Lord has used this to kind of show me as I've studied this and I'll, I'll share those things with you but I would also encourage you to examine it for yourself um, because again, the you know this is this is my interpretation of what we see here. Um, look at the scripture. That's what I'm trying to do. So I encourage you to do the same thing. Uh, the first thing that I think we have to see with this is just a reminder of the consequences of sin. Right? Um, 
you've got obviously the the backstory of Israel and the whole a whole generation dying off in the wilderness because of their uh, disobedience and unfaithfulness to God, despite His repeated and miraculous faithfulness to them. Uh, but you've also got Moses's disobedience there as well. Uh, we're familiar with kind of judgment from sin, right? But it's not the consequences of sin are not just punishment for disobedience, um, though that's also true. But you know, if God is good and God has good for us then sin interferes with that goodness and, and that good plan. Um, just as, as we mentioned with Israel, you got uh, Moses himself not only being judged for in sin, but he is missing out on being able to see this new land that God had promised them. So um, sin, sin kind of broke that, that far in and breaks it for us as well. Uh, think about, <coughs> I already said that lesson three. Uh, so essentially just with this, Israel was called to trust in and follow the Lord, right? Just believe me, follow me. Um, and we're called to do the same thing. We're called to trust him and follow him. Uh, with, the, with this transition in leadership from Moses to Joshua, the people were encouraged. You know, they were reminded of what the Lord had already done for them. You know, think back to, again, the, the reference to Sihon and Og. You've already come through to very large, very powerful kingdoms um, after the Lord allowed all your warriors to die. Remember that little nugget from earlier. Um, it's almost as if God is, again, showing them, it's not you, <laughs> it's not Moses, it's not Joshua. Um, part of the judgment was the rest of your soldiers are gone, so now it's time to go to war. And they wipe them out. Um, so just, just a testimony of God's faithfulness to his people. Uh, and I think that's part of what we could glean from a passage like this as we see what God has done for Israel here um, and as he reminded Israel, remember Sihon and Og, how I delivered you then, I'm going to deliver you now. Uh, I think this scripture serves as a reminder for us. <laughs> look at what God's already done. <laughs> you know, look at, look at how he's been faithful to his people in the past. Just in these miraculous ways, even these against what would seem to be impossible odds, right? God still accomplishes His plan, uh, even when the even when Moses, this at this time the greatest leader Israel had, had had, I would say, uh, fails, and is no longer leader. He's about to die, right? Doesn't matter. God's still going to be faithful. He's still going to take care of His people. He's still going to keep His promise. So that's a reminder for us. Um, but I think the biggest thing that we see here or that I have gleaned from this, if you will, um, is really just that of seeing God's faithfulness uh, to his people regardless and, and his sovereignty in that. You know, he is, he is the one in control in this story. Um, he is the one with the power and, and the same. That's a great combination to be all powerful and all in control and all faithful at the same time you know one of those on, on their own uh, wouldn't be quite as helpful but the two together are really good if we go back uh, to quickly look at this and see God's role in this uh, I want us to see that the people's well-being the people's provision their salvation uh, was not dependent upon themselves wasn't dependent upon Moses or Joshua but it was all dependent upon God 
he was uh, the one in control. If you go back to verse 3, it says, The Lord your God himself will go over before you. He will destroy those nations before you so that you shall dispossess them. In verse 4, And the Lord will do to them as he did to Sihon and Og, the king of the Amorites, and to their land when he destroyed them. Verse 5, And the Lord will give them, the Lord will give them over to you. Verse 6, be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them, for it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. And then again, Moses told Joshua in verse 8, it is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. Uh, It's a lot of repetition of the same thing there. I think the main thing to learn from this story of Joshua is that it's actually not about Joshua. Um, No matter who was leading the people, God was in control. He was doing the work, and the people were simply just to follow him and trust him. Uh, In fact, Joshua's honor, if you think about the reason why he ended up in the position he was in, was simply he was willing to be obedient, right? When he came back as a spy from, from checking out the land 40 years before the wandering, He said, if God wants to give it to us, he's going to give it to us, so let's go. So he simply trusted God. It was no no spectacular ability that he had or or anything of that nature, and I think think the same holds true for us. Um, Just trust God. (laughs) Just just follow him, simply uh, as simple as that. And it's really interesting. Anybody know what what Joshua's name means? Yahweh is salvation, or Yahweh saves. Uh, it's a Hebrew term for, for Yahweh saves. So it's almost as if in the story, and even in the name of Joshua himself, guys, it's not Joshua. It's not Moses. Yahweh saves. Uh, and that's actually the Hebrew equivalent of the word Jesus in Greek. Again, God saves. Uh, and God is our salvation. So just as believers, I really think this impacts um, nearly everything in our life. You know, I would just kind of, I've, I've been posed with a question, you know, what do we put our hope in? What do we put our trust in day to day? Um, even though Moses and Joshua were good leaders, they were simply gifts. God gave to his people tools in, in his hand to accomplish his work. Um and I would encourage us to remember that we are also awaiting a promised land, right? And this, the story of Israel really does parallel the story of just a Christian as a whole. Uh, we are waiting on that new heaven and that new earth that God has promised. And if God has promised us, promised it, he will deliver it. Um, we're simply to trust and follow him. So... Uh, that that's what I would just offer for encouragement tonight. You know, whatever it is, uh, whether it's a, a directly a spiritual matter, whether it's a suffering, like we know that, you know, you, you could I guess you could say almost this is the wilderness for us. We're not home yet, right? We're gonna there are gonna be things that will be difficult, um, suffering. I mean, we've got cases of that in our church right now. But um, if we can fix our eyes upon God, knowing that He is. He is faithful. He has always been faithful. He will always be faithful. Um, we can have hope and we can have peace. So 
I would just say um, uh, encourage us to follow him, to obey him, and to trust in him because uh, he is faithful and he's good. So um, that, that's all I've got. Unless you want to finish up. Thank you guys for your help and uh, listening tonight. Appreciate it. Mac. I did think it was interesting, uh, the topic, that in the end, the pastor had a churchman fill in and preach a message about how the leader's not the most important person, but God can use anyone. I thought that very fitting. Uh, that we see in, in Israel's life, it wasn't about Moses. Uh, God could choose Moses or Joshua or whoever and can continue the work. Uh, and in the church, it's not about the pastor. Me or Nick or Dusty or whoever he sees fit. What a what a beautiful reminder that took me for us tonight. Thank you for sharing very accurately from God's word tonight. I do have a couple of announcements I want to make sure that you're aware of. Uh, 